grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In Revelation chapter 11, an angel says, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. If you've ever had any experience with the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel, or even the readings that we had earlier today, you might say that it's all a bunch of confusing words and pictures that you don't understand. Or maybe you found somebody who claims to know all the meaning of all those words and symbols, and they've told you dates and people and places that are fulfilled in the book of Revelation. Maybe you've just kind of been scared to even look at it in the first place. But if there's nothing else that you take away from our series in Daniel or looking ahead to a study we do in Revelation, it's this one passage. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, no matter what we see going on in the world around us, No matter how much we understand about the things Jesus is saying in his prophecy or Daniel in his book of Revelation, this one thing remains true. Jesus wins. I'd like to take a survey of the congregation as we get started in this series because I have this word in our bulletin called apocalypse. And when I use that word apocalypse, I'd like to hear from you what comes to mind. Can you just give me one thing that comes to your mind when I say the word apocalypse? Let's see, who who would like to share one thing? Brian. The end. The end. Anybody else? Apocalypse, Tony. I'm here to tell you today that that's not at all what the word means in the Bible. Now, if I ask you this other question, is the word apocalypse mostly an optimistic word or mostly a pessimistic word? Which way would you see it? Raise your hand if you think the word apocalypse is mostly a pessimistic bad word. 
That's most everybody. And finally, the last question. Raise your hand if your first thought in your mind when I said the word apocalypse was God's in control. Maybe there were some. But maybe there's other of you where that would be the last thing you would think of if I said the word apocalypse. If I said the word complete and total destruction of our world, a desert wasteland filled with zombies and aliens and nuclear war, maybe no one would think God is in control. We do live through real-life apocalypses, different sorts of catastrophic global events, famines, warfare, disease. And we're not helped at all by the dictionary. As the dictionary online says, that Apocalypse was the complete final destruction of the world as described in the biblical book of Revelation. Or an event involving destruction or damage on an awesome or catastrophic scale, such as a stock market apocalypse. We've come to the last Sunday in the church year, and it's a time to reflect at the, as we head into Christmas First, we think about the final coming of our Lord, the end of the world. Some people call this Christ the King Sunday. The kingdoms of our Lord have be, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to begin a series today in the book of Daniel. Daniel, which is known for its apocalyptic visions. It's sometimes called apocalyptic literature, a special type of literature in the Bible that uses these images to specifically talk about the apocalypse. But I'm here to tell you that the apocalypse, as the Bible speaks of it, is not what you think it is. It comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, And that's the word translated into revelation. When we read the book of Revelation, it says it's the revelation of Jesus Christ is the Greek word apocalypse. And so we connect apocalypse to all of these images in Revelation, but that's not what the word means. In fact, the same word comes up in Galatians chapter 1. When Paul talks about his conversion... He says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any human, nor was I taught it, but I received it through an apocalypse of Jesus Christ. He's talking about his conversion on the road to Damascus, where Paul was on the way to Damascus And in his mind, he had scripted God's plan. God had sent him to root out all the Christians, to bring an end to this apostasy that the Christians are promoting against the law and the word and the scriptures. And it was on that road to Damascus where he was struck blind by the Lord Jesus, who said, you need to turn around and change what you're doing. 
And Jesus showed him that the plans that Jesus had were exactly the ones that Paul was working against. He made him do a complete 180 so that now he saw that Jesus was the answer, that he wasn't coming to work against God's plans, but he was fulfilling all of God's plans. And he said that this revelation, this discovery in his mind and heart was an apocalypse. I know I'm confusing you even more. The word apocalypse shows up back in Genesis 28. When Jacob is journeying out, he's leaving his homeland. He's all alone, sleeping outdoors in the wilderness. And he has a dream. And in his dream, he sees the Lord and a great stairway going from earth to heaven. And he sees that the Lord is speaking to him from heaven. That there's this ste- these steps that the Lord comes down to meet with Jacob and speak to him and encourage him and say, I will be with you wherever you go. And then Jacob says, I've had an apocalypse. The Lord was in this very place, and I didn't even know it. The word apocalypse means a revelation of God. Rather than thinking of apocalypse as the things we're actually seeing in the world around us, the events of catastrophe and destruction, war or pestilence, apocalypse is actually when God pulls back the curtain and he shows us what he's really doing. Apocalypse is to see past the things we're actually seeing with our physical eyes to see God working behind the scenes, that behind the stories of our lives, God has a vision for the future, a vision that the world doesn't see or know, that Paul doesn't have a clue about on the road to Damascus until the Lord visits him and pulls back the curtain. Because the word apocalypse means to uncover. Now, some of that uncovering does come through symbolic language, and we'll get to the visions in Daniel, where there's a lot of symbolic language. There's language we saw in the text about beasts, about a horn, and things that you might say you don't have a clue what it's talking about. It is a special kind of language that's meant to evoke truth. But the beast isn't the real thing. God is pulling back the curtain to see that the kings and tyrants that are terrorizing us in this world are like beasts. The humans that God's created who have gone to the extreme of evil are beastly. And they're doing the work of the great beast who speaks boastful, pompous, arrogant words against God and against his people, but the Son of Man comes on the clouds of heaven. The clouds, an apocalyptic vision of Jesus coming with his heavenly power and the kingdoms of this world, with all their ugly beastliness, have become the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is in control. That's the theme of Daniel. You see, we get caught up in either the story or the vision, 
and we don't know how to put the two together. On the one hand, some people get caught up in the stories. You see, like, for instance, the story of Israel unfolding in history at the time of Daniel. God's people are caught up in their own failure to follow his word and his commandments. And as a result of their own rebellion against God, they're taken captive. And they're brought into exile, where they live in a different place, in a foreign culture, strange and unlike theirs, where there's a different king worshiping other gods. And they have to live as his servants. They don't get to be in their homes. They don't get to be among their own culture and people. They have to forsake all those things because God has forsaken them. If that's all you could see was the story, the experience of suffering and oppression, you'd lose all hope. It's just a partial story. It would be like if, for instance, I were to tell you the story of Beauty and the Beast. And some of you might have recently gone to see that musical up at ILC. And if I were to tell you this, there's a story about a beast in a castle and he locks the beautiful girl in the dungeon so that she can never leave his palace again. The end. And I pulled the curtain and that's all you ever heard was about this beast. What kind of a story would that be? Would you like that story? No. It wouldn't make any sense because we know we're not just going to stop there. There's more to the story. The curtain's closing is just a scene change. On the other hand, some people get too caught up in the vision. They think all about the beauty, but they're not willing to confront the beast. And so they come up with a vision for what America could be or what the world could be. They talk about social justice as something that's going to bring a utopia where we can live in perfect peace and harmony with zero pollution, zero hate, zero partiality. And then we will have a world where there's no evil. And the only way to get to that vision, because it's not in the story, the only way to get to that vision is power. We build great empires, images of men and women and godlike celebrities, thinking that somehow they're going to make things right. And it's just an exercise of power, forcing people into something that's not going to happen apart from God's story. The reason we keep paying attention here is because we know there's another scene coming. It's about more than just the beauty or the beast, that they're in the story together. There's a scene change. The curtains are going to open again. And what it's going to show us is that a story like Beauty and the Beast makes sense because there's an author behind the story. There's a vision behind the story that's going to lead us to something that makes sense. And the true meaning of a musical like that is when that vision of the author intersects with the performance of the actors on the stage. 
See, Daniel is teaching us how his story intersects with God's vision for the world. On the one hand, he's got a story that's filled with beasts. An apocalypse that is an experience of oppression and suffering. And if all he had was that story, it would be a hopeless end. But then the word enters, and it reveals that God is in control, that he's going to use that story of suffering to transform a hopeless end into a hope-filled victory. So let me tell you what the Bible's definition of apocalypse is. An apocalypse is the experience of God intersecting with our story and transforming a hopeless end into a hope-filled victory. An apocalypse is God uncovering his ever-present and steadfast reign over all the world. The book of Daniel can be broken easily into two parts, and if you're going to read ahead as we go into next week, keep in mind we're going to be focusing on the stories, the first six chapters. You can break Daniel into two parts. Chapters 1 through 6 are stories. Chapters 7 through 12 are visions. Before you can ever get to the visions, you have to pay attention to the stories. Next Sunday, we'll be looking more at the situation of Daniel's story, the setting, the characters, how the Israelites are living far from home, and what it's like for God's people to be immersed in a culture that doesn't know God. For Daniel here, he is seeing the vision and story of God. He says in chapter 2, verse 27, Daniel answered and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that he has asked. But... There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. That's the apocalypse. He reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. He shows to this king who at the time is the king of the world that he's not the true king. That God is intervening in the stories of our lives. That the apocalypse is not the events we're seeing or experiencing this world, but it's the God behind the event. And always for the purpose of revealing this central thing. God is king and he is in control. In the story of Beauty and the Beast, we know that we're not seeing the whole story when we see the ugly beast. I remember sitting there, we were listening to the musical up in Eau Claire, and there was a little kid sitting behind me, and there's one scene where the beast is holding up a mirror and he's looking at himself. And of course, when he sees himself in the mirror, how ugly he is, he says that the beauty will just laugh at him. And this kid behind me says, no, she won't. He said that because he knows the story. 
that the real beast wasn't the one that looked so ugly in the story. It was actually Gaston, the prideful, arrogant, popular one, the beautiful, handsome man who's strong and gets all the girls. In the end, he turns out to be the beast. And we see the one who's so ugly and unwanted becomes the one who's transformed by love. The one that said, no one could ever love me is loved by something beautiful. That's an apocalypse. We look forward to the story of Daniel uncovering God's plans to pull back the curtain and show how his beauty can come into our lives filled with beasts. How he transforms us from a people that's just despondent and lost and wandering around in a world filled with evil and darkness to a people with a shining light on a hill. Amen.